Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. A word of warning, this podcast contains discussions that some listeners may find distressing or triggering. Please use your discretion. Hi there, and welcome back to part two of my chat with the amazing Sydney. Now, if you haven't listened to part one, none of this will make sense, so please head back to part one first and then come back and listen to part two. If you have listened to it before, we'll jump straight back into the conversation with Sydney. Thanks. That's just the ultimate, like, AFAB experience, like ultimate Volvo owner experience that there's things done to our body without our consent. Um, there's violations to our body. It happens in the medical field. It happens with our boyfriends, with our relationships. Yeah, so it's the ultimate AFAB experience. Um, you know, you go to the gynecologist and there's a male doctor that just like shoves in the speculum or like, I have a friend who delivered her baby and um, the doctor didn't warn her at all and just went for a catheter. Um, And with boyfriends, there's sexual coercion, there's sexual assault. Um, It's just unfortunately such a common experience uh, worldwide. And it's really hard to unpack um, because it's not like I got out of this relationship and I'm never going to experience that feeling again because I have with doctors um, and I have with future partners. Honestly, like that, that really does need to change, but that starts with education. Um, And like right now, like America's not getting that education. Yeah, we aren't either. And, you know, even if your experience with a medical professional hasn't been traumatic or bad, just the fact that you're a vulva owner in the beginning, you know, from the age of whatever time, I think it was 14 or 15, I've been getting pap smears every year. You know, I'm getting uh, procedures done, you know, and, and, you know, you'll hear these men who come forward and say things, you know, like, oh, 
when I get older, I'm going to have to have a prostate exam and it's the scariest thing they could ever imagine. You're like, babe, I've had, I don't know how many people have seen my asshole. Honestly, the amount of doctors that have, I've literally had my legs completely wide open while they've just looked right up there. It's every time after it happens, I sit in my car and cry because it is, even if it is as, as nice as it possibly can be, it is violating. It's violating to your body. You don't want it to happen. You do not want to be there for somebody who's gone through sexual trauma. It is re-traumatizing. It is horrible. And it's not an assault. Okay. These people might not be doing a bad thing. There are professionals that obviously what you're saying do horrible things without consent. But I mean, it's just, even that you're just desensitized to things happening to your body against your will or out of your control consistently through time. And there is nothing more horrible than that feeling of not having control over your own body. Yeah. It's just so hard to process because it, it happens so often. I get re-traumatized. Um, and even when I'm consenting to a medical procedure, it's still like triggering as fuck to have somebody, you know, put a speculum in and hearing the click, 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 like, and just the pain. Um, it's uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable. Um, and I wish more people understood that because like, it's not just like, Oh, like just slide this in, whatever. It's like, um, it's not, it's uncomfortable. And like for somebody with, um, sexual trauma and specifically like for us endometriosis, like it's painful. I don't know about you, but like, it's painful for me. Yeah. It's always been painful. And especially when they're like just a little, uh, you know, they do a little swab, just a little swab here. And you're just like, oh, my intestines. Of my intestines. Like it is so far up. It is not, it's not, I don't know. There's something about the, any kind of thing, any kind of procedure like that. And I've had a many a procedure because of my endometriosis and the amount of surgeries I've had. Actually, one of them I look back on and laugh. But it's not, it's really not funny. But she, I'd had a, um, I'll go on a monologue here. I had a, um, an ovarian cyst burst and I was in the emergency room. It is an incredibly painful thing to happen. Uh, I'd called triple zero, like I'd called for an ambulance to come. I was in so much pain. And this time it had actually ruptured one of my ovaries. And the lady, I was already in horrible, horrible pain. They'd given me so many painkillers that I was nauseous. So they gave me a drug called Maxilon. Sadly, the side effect of that drug can be more nausea and also this feeling of impending doom, like you're going to, and it lasts for so long. So I'm sitting there, my eyes are going cross-eyed because I'm on this anti-nausea medication that's inherently made me more sick. I'm still in pain. And then I go up and I'm like kind of in and out of consciousness because of all of the drugs while they're doing this internal scan on me with this thing. And they do an internal scan and they do an external scan. Yeah. The ultrasounds. And she, I was like, how does it look? Um, and she asked me one question. She goes, when was the last time you gave birth? And I was like, I've never given birth. She's like, hmm. And I was like, do you want to tell me what that question was about? I also have a degree in anatomy and physiology. So I'm thinking about all of the things that I know. And yeah. then she goes, no, it's just a mess in here. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. oh my God. 
perfectly get it. I'm like, what What makes you think that's okay to say to me? And then eventually she wheeled me back down to my like little bedroom or whatever I was in in the um, emergency area and she kind of was had said to me, please don't tell anybody that I said that. <laughs> oh, knew. my God. It's funny to think about now, but, I mean. It, okay, it is- like definitely get like. If that happens to me, I'd be like, shit, like, I know it's a mess, but like, that's still me. And like, I know what, like, there's something going on. If at least give me the interpretation that you're seeing, am I dying? Like, let me know. Like, the, also like, a mess going on instead of being like, ah, oh, this is, this is shit. Like, yeah. I'm like, uh, anyway, I'll, I'll never forget that. But it does go to show like there is so much emotional trauma associated with these. It is so difficult. And I guess my point just was even when you are consenting to something like that, it is a violation and it's so difficult to un- for t- other p- for men or non-vulvarinists to understand that it is a really difficult thing to have to consistently do every year. It is a really difficult thing to also have a sexual trauma around it. It you are consistently throughout your life violated in many ways. And even if it is in the nicest way possible by somebody, it is still traumatic. There are still things that you'll never forget. I think I remember every single one of my pap smears. It's, it is traumatizing. It's invasive. It's traumatizing. And, you know, it's something that we have to start doing pretty young. And it's just kind of like, oh, okay. Like you have to go to the gynecologist every year. Like, you, you feel like you don't have a choice in it. After this abuse, it sounds like the, towards the end, it was really escalating in violence or frequency. And is that how it felt? Did it feel like there was like some underlying undercurrent of, of tension or increased anger or something? Or was it just a progression of, of there was the situation? About like five months into a relationship, um, his mom got diagnosed with cancer and it was very aggressive brain cancer. And he started being a lot more emotionally abusive um, during that time. And about like a month later, she did pass. Um, and after her passing, like I just noticed like things got a lot worse. And when she first got diagnosed and, you know, he was starting to get emotionally abusive, there was like a time where I was like, I don't want to do this. And we kind of broke up. But at that point, I already had the trauma bonds. And I was like, oh, well, like, I feel like like, I don't want to leave this situation. Um, so that means like, oh, I'm in love. Like, this is meant to be. When in reality, like, no, like, I'm just bonded to this person because he's been manipulating me for months and, you know, giving me all this attention and making me feel like, oh, special. And that's something that I didn't feel as a child. So obviously, I'm going to be geared towards somebody that makes me feel like that, um, even if it's unhealthy. And things were getting more violent. His mom passed uh, around New Year's. um, And we broke up around like mid-March. But um, there was a time in January where he had never you know, come inside me. Um, That's something that I've always was like, very like, you know, careful about because if he wasn't going to use protection, and I was, you know, taking a test every week, that was something that I was like, really avoiding. 
And there was kind of not like coming inside me, but like definitely like come like semen on my vulva and a little bit inside me and definitely a little bit of a slip up there. I was nervous about it. But at that point, his mom had just died and I was scared and I didn't really know what to do about it or think about it because I was so focused on trying to help him through his mom passing. I didn't really get to process it at all. Uh, And about a month and a half later, I ended up having a miscarriage and I didn't know I was pregnant. Because I, at that point, um, I had taken a test probably like right before I would have come up as positive. So it was negative. I didn't take a test for a few weeks. And um, in late February, I went home from a club event and um, I was having really bad cramping. I went to the bathroom. My roommates weren't home. They were at this club event and um, I was bleeding a lot. And I didn't get periods on my birth control. Like if anything, it was like a little bit of like light spotting. And there was like a lot of blood. I was, I was terrified. I didn't know what was happening to my body. Um, I was 19. I, you know, was in this really bad situation. And there was a point that I was like, oh my God, like, am I having a miscarriage? Which is so scary to do alone. Um, and feel like you can't talk to anybody or there's nobody there to help. And eventually I had completely like passed the pregnancy. Um, and that really was like, okay, that happened. And I didn't really know how to go about processing that. And I didn't ever tell my ex-boyfriend about it because of the whole, you know, oh, you just get an abortion, you know, even a point where he said to me, like, oh, like, if you were pregnant, and you kept the baby, then like, I would have to re-enlist and you would ruin my life. So I felt like I couldn't tell anybody. The next day, I was talking to my roommates, and one of them had had a really bad period and ended up having to go to the doctor to make sure she wasn't having a miscarriage. And I was like, Oh, how weird. I thought I had one last night. I'm not sure. And, um, she said to stop being so dramatic, which further silenced me. And I didn't talk about it or I kind of just blacked it out for a year. It's so dismissive. It's so difficult, so traumatizing. And people don't realize those one-off statements that they make and how much of a difference they can make to somebody's life. Additionally to that, like, you know, with the trauma that he's going through with the sudden loss of his his mom, especially to brain cancer, like that's, that's a horrible thing to see somebody go through and to go through yourself. Like you can understand you even in a sense trying to protect him or knowing that this is an unstable person and if he was stable before and he said those things, now is going to be worse, obviously, because of the circumstances. Like, I'm so sorry that you had to go through that and go through that alone. Yeah. Holding it alone was probably like the worst part of it. Um, and I started going to a support group last September. Was that like 10 months now? No, eight months. Can't do math. It's fine. Um <laughs> Yeah. So I started going to support group and talking about it more. I feel a lot less 
alone. Um, And I think that's the biggest thing that is important about reclaiming yourself is like, for me, at least like talking about it and owning it and being like, this doesn't define me and kind of choosing to define yourself. And how has the support group been for you? Like how has it impacted you just being able to talk about it with other people? Have you made friends? What's it been like um, accessing something like that? I have um, made friends and like the first group was really hard because, you know, we went around and there were people who had lost pregnancies and people who who had lost their babies to SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome. And I almost had a feeling of like, oh, I don't belong here. Like, I didn't know I was pregnant. Like, I like, but it had been two and a half years and I still was just, I, I was still so upset and like hurt and I still was having nightmares about it. Um, So I knew it was time to start processing it because at the time it happened, like I wanted to be a mom more than anything. And after I started processing it, like the thought of having a kid like scared the fuck out of me even more than it did whenever I, you know, was being sexually abused. Like obviously I was scared of pregnant, being pregnant, but after the miscarriage, part of me like didn't even want to think about having kids. And the first group going around and people introducing themselves as like Blank's mom or Blank's dad, I was like, oh my God, this makes it real. This support group leader has been absolutely amazing. She helps me make um, like a baby box and she like went to the store with me and we got like all of, you know, the first things Cause that's something that I've always wanted to do. Cause you know, in the past two, two and a half years, I've definitely gone to the baby aisle and just looked around and been like, Oh, like I would want my baby to like wear this or whatever. So it's been really healing to kind of sit in, not sit in the grief. Well, yeah. Like sit in the grief and like really just be supported while I process it. Um, and making it feel like, okay, this was real. And like, I am going to be okay in this. Well, taking steps to actively work through what you're feeling rather than being like, okay, you know, I'm just going to forget about it. I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm going to go through this all on my own. Like giving yourself some time to actually understand your feelings and, and let yourself feel those feelings rather than feeling like I just have to show up tomorrow, put a smile on my face and pretend everything's okay. Like even that during the hormones that you would have been feeling at the time and is something that needs to be considered too. And I'm so glad that you're giving yourself time and space to heal through, through your loss. And I'm so sorry for your loss. Yeah. I think the like biggest thing that was helpful was like not feeling alone and like allowing myself to not be alone because you know, I went to school the next day after my miscarriage. There's been times in nursing school, which is it's so unfortunate that it's not understanding that, you know, I've had an ovarian sister, a kidney stoner, literally was in the hospital all weekend and just like went to clinical the next day. And just feeling like I have to process all this trauma on my own. And it's just like, trying to hold the weight of the world and talking about it and like allowing people to sit with me through that was really difficult at first, but it's been the most helpful thing. 
Yeah, I can completely feel you on that as well. Like, I think it's just such an important thing. And people who are traumatized and who go through trauma are often the last people who want to seek help from other people, who want to ask for help, who acknowledge their pain in public. They're the ones that are so used to hiding it at all times and being defensive in that way. It's a, it's a strategy, you know, and I'm glad that you're working through this now to, to help yourself to heal and to work through and progress through these feelings so that not that it will never not hurt, but so that every day maybe it will hurt less and less. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the month after the miscarriage um, is when we broke up. It's just like horrible timing, but you know, it's not funny, but it is kind of funny um, that he's the one that broke up with me initially. He had had a weekend of partying with his friends and he hadn't really talked to me much at all that weekend. And he was just really weird um, on Sunday when we talked. Um, and he was like trying to get off the phone quickly. And I was like, like, oh, like, wait, like... I've like barely talked to you. Like what's like, what's going on? Something that he did a lot was like the silent treatment. So like he like hung up on me and then like made me like beg to talk to him um, to try to figure out what was going on. Cause like he just barely talked to me and then hung up and I was like, what? And then he threatened breaking up out of nowhere. Um, and we kind of talked a bit like really late that night. There's a part of me that didn't want to lose him and had this moment of like, I don't know how to live without this. And the next day I woke up and it's so funny because like that little like really like sassy, like don't fuck with me part came out. And I was like, wait, wait a damn minute. Like, fuck no. (laughs) I'm not not begging anybody, any any man to be I'm not begging you to be with me like if I'm dope like if you don't want to be with me then like fuck that like I'm not gonna beg you to stay so at that point like I um you know talked to him and I was like yeah like I don't want this anymore you know and I wish that was the end of it um it definitely took a bit longer I think the last time we talked was early June. And, you know, at this point it was like mid-March. Um, we like tried one more time and it was just similar things of like, everything's my fault. There was in early June, this is another thing, loaded, just loaded thing with their family. His sister sexually um, harassed me talking about how like, because it was their dad's like wedding and talking about how like she's gonna hang out with me the next weekend and like oh I'm gonna fuck like his girlfriend and yeah and he kind of blamed the whole thing on me and at that point like I had just been so done and I it was you know I said you know okay like no like we're not doing this and completely like blocked him on everything. I stopped talking to him. And um, there was time after the breakup that I just had this big interest in like sleeping with somebody else. And I didn't understand that at first. And, you know, there's the two main ways of dealing with sexual assault is like, 
you know, sex repulsion or hypersexuality. And I definitely did the hypersexuality for a while. Um, I didn't understand why I wanted to sleep with other people so bad um, until like I started processing and realized that like, I just didn't want him to be the only one that touched my body. It was such like a violating way that I just, I wanted, I wanted to practice consent. That's how I had it in my mind. It's like, I wanted to, I want something to be my choice. Yes. Um, I wanted more experiences where like I show something. I noticed when I started having sex with new people, like I definitely got really emotional after every time. And I didn't understand why. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. And I didn't realize that um, when you block people on like Facebook, like Messenger is like different. So you have to block them on both, even though. Oh, like, really? Yeah. Oh, so, I didn't like, know that. I thought that it would just block them from everything. Right? That's what I thought, but apparently not. So it's Facebook Messenger. Yeah. So it's like a different app. So I would get a message from him like every few weeks, um, you know, begging to talk and saying like, oh, I'm ch- I've changed. Like I'm doing better for myself. Oh, like, just like, let's talk about it. And by mid July, I'd started having nightmares and I didn't understand why I would have nightmares that he would show up at my house or, you know, nightmares of him on top of me. And 
I didn't really understand why they were happening. I remember one night I, I had a nannying job and I couldn't sleep. It was like late at night and my parents weren't home and I was just watching YouTube videos. And there was this girl that I watched whenever I was a teenager and she had just gone back on YouTube and she was like the truth about my like relationship like as a teenager. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, let's watch this. And she was talking about her experience with sexual abuse in her relationship. And there was a moment of just like, I felt like the world like stopped, like spinning, completely like earth shattering, just pause of realizing that like, holy shit, that is what happened to me because... I was relating to everything that she said and she put this label of like sexual abuse on it. And, you know, there's definitely time where I was like, that, that couldn't have happened to me. Like, I, like, you know, like how could I have like not known that I was sexually abused? Like, you know, if I was sexually abused, I would have known, you know, yeah, yeah. that's not the case. Um, so it definitely took a bit to, really grasp what had happened to me. Sometimes when you're in it, and this might've been your, your experience as well, like, you know, that there's been these violations, but you don't consider it to be abuse. You know, it's until you have that realization or until you get to a certain point, you don't think, oh, you know, this is, this is what it was. I was in an abusive relationship as much. You're just like, oh, it was tumultuous or something like that. Or we were both fiery people. But it's when you get to look back on it, you hear and you learn about different experiences that you can actually go, holy shit. And you look back on those situations with more clarity and say, that wasn't okay. And it just, it doesn't mean that it's not true just because you didn't have that interpretation at the time. Exactly. Because like, I just thought it was a toxic relationship and he's just like, some toxic asshole and like whatever you all date a bad guy at once whatever you know I didn't really understand that you know I could I could kind of put the label of like oh he did some emotionally abusive stuff it was hard to grasp the fact that I had been assaulted because for the longest time that was like the worst thing that could in my mind you know as a teenager the worst thing that could ever happen to me is being assaulted I was so scared throughout all my teenage years because all of my friends had been assaulted and I saw how hard it was for them moving past you know mental hospital admissions and group therapy and like watching them go through that and to me like that was the worst thing that could happen to me. And I didn't know how to like live past that, which is really why like it led to severe depression and being suicidal and, you know, an attempt and just, I almost dropped out of school completely because I couldn't, I was having nightmares every night. I wasn't eating, I wasn't drinking water and I ended up passing out in class. And there was just a point where I realized like, I, I can't just push through. Like I can't push through anymore because, you know, after the world had just completely shattered and stopped, I just tried to pretend like this is, this is okay. This is normal. We can just like push through like, okay. Like, um, cause I didn't understand how to process it. Um, I didn't know how you go about, you know, after you would have been raped, like, what do you, what do you do? You know, I just turned 20. Like, 
I'm 20 years old and I've been through so much trauma. Like, how do you continue living after that? Um, and it was really difficult to navigate how to continue. And I'm so sorry that you've gone through all of these traumas. You know, it's so wonderful to hear you talking about the things that you have done for yourself and the, the way that you have yourself reclaimed this part of you to move forward, to make your life better, to do all of these things. Like th- that's all down to you. The way where you are right now in this moment is because of the hard work of you. And it's truly inspiring to hear, you know, going to the trauma therapist and going to these support groups and actively taking these steps now to take control back to, you know, to, to go, you know what, fuck this. I deserve a better life than this. And that is just a wonderful thing to hear how when you see somebody just working their asses off for themselves and not being, you know, and not to say that anybody in this state right now is is any less, you know, when you're in the depths of depression and you're in things like that, it is so hard to do anything for yourself. It is so yeah. hard to get motivated. But to it see someone like doing it, you know, it's one of those things where you go, this is what you can fucking do. This is where it's going to get. Not not like it's never going to get here. You're not a superhero. I'm not a superhero. But one day we woke up and it was enough enough was enough. And we had to start taking different steps. Exactly. Cause like, it's so hard when you're in the depths of depression and being suicidal and like ignoring it or trying to push away this massive thing that's affecting your life. Like ignoring the elephant in the room, literally ignoring the nightmares that I was having every night that wasn't doing me any good and passing out in class and like really just having, like, I got to a point where I was like, I I just can't. So I started, I went to a group program where I did group therapy and it was like an intensive outpatient program. And I decided literally last minute to go back to school just part-time and just really like only do what I could manage, which was actually really helpful because like going from full-time, like five classes, very intense while processing trauma to like, okay, just the necessities of like the two classes that I need to take that semester um, really gave me time to work in therapy. Um, And like, I wish that I could say, you know, I I just like instantly went to a healthy state and I never went, you know, backtracked into unhealthy relationships, but like, that's not the case. And like, that's okay. Cause you're, you're not going to say like, oh, okay, enough is enough. And then just never, like maybe some people do and that's great for them, but yeah. I, I, that didn't happen for me. <laughs> um, I definitely made mistakes and like, I didn't ever go back to, you know, my ex-boyfriend or I didn't, you know, go back to any sexually abusive relationships, but I definitely made mistakes and had sex with shitty people and, you know, did impulsive things and got depressed again or dated somebody that was like a little toxic. There was a point actually early last year, um, around New Year's 2021, where I went back to the second guy I slept with after um, my ex-boyfriend, who was so toxic, so toxic such an asshole. <laughs> like, probably, he's probably going to watch this and be like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, you, you know, the shitty guy your mom doesn't want you to date. Like, yeah. But I like, I went back to him and I just like, I knew it was a bad choice. And I was just like, you know, I'm just fucking him. I'm having fun. I'm being 
21, whatever, I had started working with my inner child a bit in therapy. And I had a complete, like my friend and I and him went out uh, drinking and we were going home and, you know, dropped him off. And I just started sobbing in the car and we went, my best friend and I are like thing is to go to parks um, and like talk and we like drink juice or eat ice cream or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I went to this park and um, I just cried and cried and cried to her. Um, and at that point I had like, just kind of been disowned by a parent and it was like so much going on. I had this point of realizing that like what I was doing was hurting my inner child. And I kind of just felt this connection of I, by doing what I was doing, I felt like I was hurting that little kid that just so desperately wanted to get out of her home situation. And I was just repeating that as an adult. And I felt like I was that parent that was keeping her in that situation. And that I just like, that was really my point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. And where I really did like actively start stopping, you know, doing the shit that was toxic that I was hurting myself with. Uh, I, had kind of come to this understanding that um, as much as I thought I, you know, was rejecting the shit that happened in my childhood and I wasn't continuing it because like, Oh, it's not like I'm dating this guy. Like I'm, I was, I realized I was still like putting my inner child in that situation. And as much as I wasn't dating it and I, and dating him and I didn't put the label on that. And I just was hooking up and having fun or whatever. Like I still was putting my body and my mind and, you know, my inner child through that. Um, and it really kind of hurt. Um, and it was so hard to just sit with the fact that I felt like I was, you know, that inner child was in front of me and I was, you know, physically putting them in a situation that was hurting them. Um, and that made me realize that I needed to, I needed to stop. Um, and I've made a lot of progress since then. Um, and there's been times where I, you know, we'll say relapsed and, you know, wanted to go back and that's completely normal. Um, you know, with the childhood and the relationships that I've had, it makes sense that like, it's so much more comfortable to be with a toxic person than it is to be in a healthy relationship. Um, and even if I didn't have trauma, like I'm fucking 22, bro. Like, <laughs> I'm going to date toxic people. I'm going to make mistakes. And like, all of that's like, okay. Um, I don't, have to be perfect and like all of this is kind of a learning experience um and the biggest thing that like I try to do is take what I like the experiences that I've been through and try to learn from them um and when I can like use it for good to help people because like you know there's no way of me changing somebody's decision 
to date a toxic guy or, you know, do some toxic shit. I can't change that. But um, by sharing my experience and being supportive, uh, because that's the biggest thing that I wish more people did when I was in my relationship, because I had friends just tell me straight up to my face that I'm stupid um, for dating him. And I had one friend that really respected my decisions. And honestly, like I am still so, we're not friends anymore, but I'm still so grateful for her because she was the only one that was like, Sydney, this is your life. This is your relationship. If you want to do that, you know, that's your decision. Um, This is my opinion on it. But like, you're my best friend. I'm still going to support you either way. And that's really something that I have adapted to or like made um, how I react to situations like mine, because I don't ever want somebody to feel like they can't talk to their friends or talk to their medical professional about something out of fear of judgment that like, oh, like, you're just going to tell me I'm stupid. And like, why are you dating that person? Like, why are you doing this? Like, oh my God, you're just some dumb 19 year old, whatever. Because like, it's as much as like, it sounds like it should be easy to, you know, say like, okay, this is a toxic guy. I'm just going to leave. Like, it's not that easy when you've been through so many unhealthy relationships and that's all you really know. You know, on average, it takes... I think eight times um, to leave officially and like completely a toxic relationship um, or like a domestic abuse situation. An abusive relationship. Yeah. What you're saying is so important to highlight because the reason that we really need to emphasize to people that their reactions to somebody who's disclosing to them about abuse or abuse that they're seeing, you know, there is so many times that people will go back in dangerous situations and that's for multiple reasons. And we could go into that, you know, until the cows come home about why people should be supported in that. But many times people who are abusive, what they are doing is isolating them from their loved ones. And if they come to you or you have a conversation with them and your response isn't support, it's just going to further isolate that person and push them more towards the person that is abusing them. Because at the end of the day, from what you can see, it's just this outside thing. You don't understand what's going on in the, in the breadth of it, in the middle of it. You don't understand anything. And in many ways, that's the person that they've got to rely on. That's, that's going to be there. And your response is so important in that moment to be, make sure that you're supportive because your withdrawal of support, your mocking, your ridiculous things, calling somebody names or something like that for the situation that they are in just pushes them further into the arms of the abuse that they're in. Exactly. Like I stopped talking to majority of my friends about my relationship after, you know, I had broken up with him and I had gone back to, you know, gotten back together with him because like the trauma bond and I had all these friends calling me stupid except that one so I had one support system and that's it. So it was a lot harder to get out because I was isolated. It was basically, I was just talking to him most days. It made it so much more difficult to feel supported or even understand how to get out when I felt alone. Absolutely. 
And it's just so frustrating as well because you can disagree with somebody's actions and still provide them support, love, and care. You know, exactly. you don't have to agree with it. You don't have to be happy with it. You can even voice your concerns and just be like, just letting you know, I do have some concerns around this and I'm just letting you know, I'm always going to be here. You know, if there is something that you want, I've looked up and called somebody and here are some services that you might be able to access for more information. Don't do anything with them if you don't want to. I'm just trying to be helpful. Thank you. Like, you know, it's not hard to be a nice person or a good person. And I think what we need to do to other people who are hearing people disclose about abuse or have concerns about people in their lives who they think are going through abuse this is what we need to make sure that we're creating is is arms around this person so that they know that they're okay. So that they know that they've got this support system that sits outside of the abuse that they're they're endure they're having to endure at the hands of their abuser. Yeah, and you said it perfectly, simply just saying, Okay, like I have some concerns. This is, you know, this sounds a little like concerning to me. Um, but like, you know, whatever you decide, like I support you and like, just know that like, I'm here no matter what I want you to be safe, but you know, this is your relationship and this is your decision. And you know, here's my mobile, my pager and my, you know, home phone, (laughs) call any number, anytime. I'm always going to be here. You don't have to provide that level of support to everybody, but you can wrap your arms around people in many ways and make them feel loved and supported with a minimal effort. Honestly, it doesn't take much to show somebody that you care. Exactly. Like it doesn't take like, Oh my God, you know, you can call me middle of the night or whatever. Like it doesn't, you know, it's, it's just like an acquaintance or just not like a super close friend. Like even just saying like that I support you. Um, and like here are resources and just simple enough. Like I support you is full sentence. Like that's perfect. Um, because telling me I'm stupid for staying in a relationship that like I was being abused in and I felt like I couldn't leave isn't helping me. Yeah, Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing everything you have. You've gone into such wonderful detail and you've gone through so much and so many things, but I I wanted to ask before we wrap, is there anything else that we missed that you wanted to talk about? Yeah. I think the biggest thing um, that like I want to get across is like people who have gone through similar things uh, as me are not alone. And just because something, you know, horrible earth shattering has happened does not mean that you can't continue living. Things may feel like the earth is stopping spinning and, you know, I can't move on. I can't live past this and it's okay to feel that way, but it is possible to keep living. Uh, I didn't think I would ever get to the point that I'm at right now. I didn't think I would ever finish school. I didn't think I would ever, you know, be alive at 23 um, in my own apartments and getting my dream job. Uh, also seeing Halsey. Uh, I saw Halsey on the pit. No um, way. And I'm like, I've been waiting two and a half years for it. And I'm like, shit, like, like I have, I never thought like, you know, three years ago when I was getting out of this relationship that I would be here. I never thought I could survive that. Um, but I did. And I'm so proud of that. And um, it is possible. I'm so proud of you. Um, And this is all work that you have done and you're right. And 
I think I, at the end of every episode, I always wrap up and ask somebody to give what would their number one piece of advice be. So I'll come back to you on that one, but just riffing off the back of what you just said, listening to two people who've been in that situation before who have been suicidal, who have, who have attempted, who have been in the depths of depression for a number of reasons and a number of things for a very long time. We both probably more than a lot of people understand what that feels like. And when you're in it, you never, ever feel like it's going to get any better. We do understand that. But what I would say to you as well, just on the back of what Sid just said, is that there is always one foot that you can put in front of the other. And there will be so many days, but there are so many people out there that love you. And if you don't have those people around you, find them. Come to support groups, listen to podcasts, reach out to podcast hosts. You can come and talk to me. You can talk to Sid. You can talk to so many people. Find people. Just reach out there. It doesn't take hard to look. Look up a few hashtags. Like look up one I always do is sexual violence. So if you find a few posts on there of people that are posting about some things that you're feeling about, that might be a way for you to meet some more people that might have an interest in something that you do or or have a way to connect with somebody about it. So you are not alone, but please know that from two people, you know, speaking for you, <laughs> but yeah. off the back of what you said from two people who have experienced these feelings, it will get better. And like, it sounds like cheesy or like, yeah, okay. It's not like, but really like taking it one step at a time. And sometimes like taking it one day at a time is like way too much. So even taking it just hour by hour, minute by minute, trying to just get through those tough moments to make it manageable enough to get through the next hour is all you can do. And that's kind of the start of how you get to a point of being okay. You know, at the end of this episode, I always give access and in the show notes, there's always um, different support services, but support services now have chat functions. You don't even have to look at somebody or talk to somebody if you don't want to. There's live chat, which for all of the younger listeners, I think is probably a lot easier. I would much rather do that. If we could do that for a doctor's appointment, that would be great. Yeah, Live chat doctor's appointment. You don't even have to talk to anybody. But yeah, I think there are different things available and I implore you to reach out and use them. And like, it's pretty, it's not easy, but it's like, not too hard to find a support group, even Googling sexual assault support group. Um, you know, most states have, uh, if you're in the United States, most states have a hotline where you can call and they can give you all the access to support groups and resources, legal resources, etc. So don't be afraid to reach out. Yeah. Same as in Australia, we've got access to all of those things. And I, I yeah, if you have a look at the show notes for this episode, you'll see a number of them for Australia, America, uh, the UK and Canada that you can contact and get in touch with. And if, if you're in another area and you can't find one, get in touch with me and we'll figure it out together. But Sid, if you were to give somebody one piece of advice that's going through what you've gone through or is going through it now, what would it be? I think the biggest thing is reach out because I felt so alone and I felt so much shame that I felt like I had to be alone in this. And things got so much easier when I started reaching out and going to therapy and going to support groups um, and just like making friends that have been through similar things because it makes it so much more manageable when even if they're not carrying the weight of my trauma um, or carrying me, like just having people sit with me while I process 
uh, makes me feel less alone and just helps me to take that one step at a time. A hundred percent. I think that's such good advice and such a great place to end. So thanks Sid for coming on. Thank you for speaking to me. Um, and for now, this is Reclaim Me signing out. This content may have been distressing or triggering for some listeners. In Australia, for national crisis support, please contact Lifeline on 131114. For more resources, please see the show notes for this episode. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.